Welcome to Podmakers. Do you ever wonder how podcasting could help your business or even if you're doing business right? Do you ever wonder what it takes to start and maintain a podcast or about the reasons for starting or maintaining one? Do you ever wonder what other business owners and podcasters are going through behind the scenes, away from the highlight reels and shiny filters of social media? Wonder with us on podcasting and how to show up intentionally and be heard. Hey, Katie. Hi, Karen. How's it going? You can probably hear my dogs in the background. Yes. Hello, puppies. <laughs> they said woof, woof. <laughs> <laughs> They're excited about what we're going to talk about today, I think. That's all it is. I think they can feel our excitement. They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> How are you today? Good. I'm excited to talk about what we're setting up today. Online business cliches that need to stop. And I think I talked a little bit in the pre-show, just a little bit about how I've been kind of salty, feeling a little salty about it lately. And I thought it would be a good time to have an episode about, because we're both in online business and we've seen so many different cliches and so many different like little tropes and different misconceptions and all the different things you want to call it. And I think so many of us operate under these misconceptions, not realizing that they're just not true or they don't make sense or a lot of context is missing, a lot of nuance is missing. And so I thought it would be cool to kind of dive into that today. Because like a lot of times in online business, like from the pod bros to the bizfluencers to whoever, a lot of folks want to popularize these cliches People want to seem like they have all the answers that you need. So you'll pay them for the answers that you need. (laughs) Boom. Yeah. And so, but ultimately, I think that these, you know, continuing to hold on to these things unquestioned kind of does us more harm than good. And so we just wanted to talk a little bit about the business cliches that we think should be retired permanently. Yes. And I think it's tricky because I think that people, some people really do like believe in these things. And then it's funny too, because like I'll look at when I'm listening to a podcast or whatever on business stuff, it's like really interesting. And even even with social media copy and, and like that kind of thing, I can be like, will this person think this in five years? Like, I wonder if this person mm-hmm. will believe this, what they're saying in 10 years, you know, and it can just look so different for and this and, and I and I don't want to belittle like, it's, I don't think it's a like, oh, when people are just starting out when they're so excited about business and da 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 da. Like, I don't think it's necessarily just that jaded thing. But it's like, we contain multitudes, we morph and change. And I think mm-hmm. part of that morphing and changing is that like, maybe some of these things are what's motivating for us in the beginning. But then like, we need to examine them. Is this what I really believe? Like, and this is so funny, because I mean, of course, I'm talking about it from this perspective, because I'm trained as a spiritual director, who would focus on functional beliefs versus held beliefs versus like given beliefs. Da, 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 da. So like, my go to is always to be like, what are we believing? And what does it look like? Mm. And yeah, so I think that these things even just to call them out and to say like, even if we don't really notice, like notice these things can sometimes be in our brains, um, helping us making decisions in our business. Mm. And so Mm. to like say like, oh, here's one. Do I actually believe this or not? You know, and just to call it out. Like I, I think people can hear 
I don't know, this is maybe a random thought, but people are like, oh, you're an online, like when I meet somebody that's another, that's a coach or like when we can think there's all this commonality. Yeah. But sometimes there's difference and there's nuance and like, and like, of course, more bands us together than separates us. And at the same time, like, let's call these cliches out because they might be hurting more than helping. Yes. A thousand percent agree with you. Yes. So you get to decide how much you'll earn. That is one that really roped me in. I know you're shaking your head. Like it's just that one really got me as a young. And I mean, I know we're not talking about this from like inexperience versus experience technically, but I'll just go ahead and say that this one is what really drew me to online business when I was thinking about starting one. And the thought, of course, the thought of like, you get to decide how much you'll earn, like the corporate overlords that like (laughs) boss me around all day are not going to dictate how much money I make. Like that sounds so freeing and so liberating. And so, especially as a woman in business, like I get to dictate the terms with which I will work and like how I'll earn money and all that stuff. And it's very appealing. I just think this is something that's missing context. (laughs) It's not necessarily untrue, but when you take it at face value, you get to decide how much you'll earn. Like that doesn't really tell the whole story. That's why I really don't like this one. And a lot of people still today will say you like, if you want to make more money, just raise your rates. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yes, you get to determine the rate you will charge, which is different from like a traditional employee role where the rate is decided for you. But that does not directly translate to your earnings or profit. And it does not determine that someone will agree to pay you that. Yes. Uh, you can set your rate at whatever you want. But if you don't have people that are paying it, it's a moot point. So you have to think about that. And like what, like I said, when I first started my online business, that was one of the cliches that like really put sparkles in my eyes. Like I could just make as much money as I wanted. Nothing standing in my way except my willingness to do the work. Like I just imagined that there was just like all this work out there for me to do. And it was just going to be so easy once I decided to do it. Like the work's just waiting for you and people are just waiting to pay you. And that is true. But again, like context and nuance, like you have to find those people and you have to speak to those people and you have to build trust with those people. If you think about it from like a reverse perspective as with yourself as a client, like, of course, you're going to need to know someone. You're going to need to trust someone. You're going to need like, you have to have all these touch points met before you're just going to give someone your money to do a service that you need. And I feel like this cliche doesn't factor that in at all. Like it doesn't consider marketing. It doesn't consider that your is your business have a strong foundation? Do you have an audience? Are there people that need this? Or is this just something that sounds cool that you want to do? And as you scale and as you grow, like just thinking about like marketing costs money too, depending on what game you're playing. And so it's like... Yeah, like it's I like that you said it just doesn't automatically mean like one that people are paying you. And some of this too, you said context. I feel like context is a contextual reading of this is so important because it is like 2019 a lot more was possible than is possible mm. in 2024. Like mm-hmm. that's just the reality. Like this thinking was I think that's where I originally like kind of heard this thinking was more like 2018, 2019, 2017 even and that's, maybe. That's when I started my business, right? That's exactly. That's like when you and I got into this like whole world. And I think that it was 
to some extent more true then while it still wasn't factoring in all of these things. Like, and I think that Mm -hmm. it can be a little bit manipulative too, from the business Mm -hmm. coaching perspective of like, yeah, come into my program. You get to set your rates. You make whatever you want. And even in a one-on-one session for somebody to just be like, well, what do you want to make? What do you need to make to feel good? And it's like, whoa, I see also the coaching industry and coaching world having to have a really intense conversation around ethics in some of this. Yes. So that's a whole nother thing. But you get to decide how much you'll earn. Yeah. (laughs) Do you though? (laughs) No. No. Not really. Not really. No. And like, I can even think like, I remember thinking too, in my biggest month ever, which was 2021, my biggest income month ever, it was, I also burnt myself out. So it's mm. like, and I'm still having to work on some fear and some patterning from the, how, how much I burnt myself out for that biggest month ever. So it's also like just having to think of all of the things all the time of like, what am I prioritizing? Is it the earning or is it being with my family? I love that though, because it makes you think about like, okay, what else has value though? Like more than just money, more than just your rate has value. Like spending time with your family, being present with your family, not feeling glued mm-hmm. to your computer screen, which I, I would wager to say 99% of us don't want to be doing that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how much of a cliche this is, or if this is just a Karen thought that I picked up somewhere, but that business, this is something I'm having to really think a lot about this year, that business only grows. So you only go up. It's only Oof. always an upward trajectory. Yeah. And this is like, Ooh. to me, I'm like, this is probably so like, American. It might be like very millennial. Like it might be very specific to like a certain time and place or something like that. But that business only grows. You can never go back on revenue. So like if your revenue is lower for a season or anything like that, that you've done something wrong or like you need to evaluate or something like that. Right. Which is hilarious because I keep thinking, and I even texted you the other day, there are no family businesses like in my family, but in my partner's family, it is just absolutely completely littered with family business. So a ton of people have family business. There's failed businesses. There are very successful and sold businesses. There are businesses that are continuing. And it's really important for me to have conversations with these people and to remember. So like something that's come to like really come to our attention recently is talking with my father-in-law about there are seasons where he's not taking a paycheck, you know, like many seasons. And there, there's, and so thinking of like, in business, there's these, and I know a lot of people are talking about it lately as far as like growth seasons, rest seasons, investment seasons, like growing the business versus growing revenue, like that kind of stuff. And just to remember that one of my coaches is Samantha Siffering and her sister is her COO, essentially, does all of her operations. And they were on a podcast together once. And I remember Brenna saying she's very much like a data person. And I remember her saying that an overall trajectory can still have like downward dips or like... So remembering that like you can have an overall trajectory for your entire business, but you can have some really, really, really shit years. And just knowing that that's a part of what it is to be in business. Like yes, not all businesses always are profitable every single year. And you're not always growing in profit. I feel like that's what I really got from some of the coaching industry and the online business world was that you're always growing in profit. Yes. Like exactly like you said, like it's an upward trajectory. There's no taking a step back. It's always a step forward. Oh my God. Like when you said that, I didn't even 
I have never like put name to that belief, but I, I know that I have held that belief at some point. I didn't even know that was in my brain until you said it, but I know. Which then creates like shame feelings and stuff when you feel yes. like, because you can feel like you're doing, if that's the way that it works, then you can feel like if it's not working that way for you, you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, I must've done something wrong. Like, or I'm not cut out for this. Like, yeah. I, you know, I'm, this just isn't meant for me. I can't have this type of Oh, so Enneagram 4 too. Like, oh, I'm flawed if I'm not. (laughs) Yes. God. There's something inherently wrong with me. Yes. I'm the piece that's wrong. God. So good though. (gasps) It's true. I'm glad that you have access to people though, like your your in-laws that can tell you like, actually the experience can look a lot like not taking a paycheck. Actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> it can kind of help you correct your vision or your perception of like, Oh God, you know, I had a slow season. This means doom for me. And it's like, well, actually, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. business owners don't take a paycheck. Like that's right. part to keep the business going. Like that's right. just how it looks sometimes. And it's not yes. necessarily anything this is what's been interesting for me lately as I'm still in a slow season in my business is like, it doesn't mean you did anything wrong. Like sometimes it can just be a freaking circumstance. Like it can just be like, cause I have like rethought my services. I have thought about how I've marketed myself. I've thought about my audience. Like I've done all of that foundational work that you're supposed to do. And like, I don't see any cracks in that foundation. And it's like, sometimes it just like, you want to find a reason so bad because you want to fix the thing and you want the you want it to go away and you want like to have the money start coming back and it's like sometimes there's not anything you can specifically do which sucks yeah. but totally. cuz you want to feel like you're in control and like you're told mm-hmm. that you're in control when you start you're oh in online business mm-hmm. you get to be in control and like decide all these things and mm-hmm. make all this stuff happen and it's like well why can't i make this happen mm-hmm. and sometimes it's just not within your control and like totally really really learning that and understanding that has been hard but like so valuable Mm. and very I don't know it just feels like and this is probably one of your steps that you want to share later but it's like it feels like I'm in a different reality and I'm like coming around to a new reality where it's like maybe it's not up to me to control every single little thing. You know, like I think that we're given so many tools, like mindset tools and things like that, especially from different coaching spaces that we're connected to an online business of like that give you the illusion of more control than you have in the world. And that's been an interesting thing to grapple with. But yeah, like, oh my gosh, just the upward trajectory thing of like Mm -hmm. very linear, very like we want progress to be so linear. We want it to just be an upward upward mobile like transition journey where the money just like oh well I made this much money last month so I, I'm gonna make that much or more next month like there's no and it's like where where do you get that idea from that's so interesting I wish I knew like where that little seed comes from whether it's yeah. millennial like you said or I don't know it's very interesting and I think that's I, gonna be one that a lot of people believe totally I think it's very rooted in American culture because you have to believe like that anything is possible and then it can only always get better. Like, I feel like that's oh, the roots yeah. of it, right? It can only always Ooh. get better or like we're yeah. always moving towards better. And like, I have two thoughts there, Casey, too. And these could probably be entirely different episodes in and of themselves. But so I'll just try to get through them pretty quickly. But one that I think going back to like being able to have my in laws and 
I think that it's really important to access authenticity with folks and actually access connection Mm. and get to know people's business stories. And this is something that I'm reading the book called The Art of Gathering right now also by Priya Parker. And it's super, it's wonderful. It's like, I mean, how can there be this many pages on the idea of gathering, but it's like so beautiful. So it's all about how to kind of create these gathering spaces in accordance to like your desire for creating them. So it's, I'm thinking a lot about connection and the human connection, especially within, I'm also, I practice Buddhism to some extent. So also within the the realm of suffering. So like the suffer, like suffering is always a piece. I'm getting into the weeds here, but I've been looking at human connection and authenticity. How does me being in my mindfulness practices also increase authenticity so that then I can show up and be more real with people? How can I? So back to the Priya Parker connection, she was talking about that when we set up these gatherings with intentions and in this specific chapter that she was talking about, when with rules, if we put a lot of rules or guidance in a space, or if we even like as hosts have a heavier hand in the space, then people can feel safer to open up in these dialogues with strangers and that sort of thing. And talk about things like money, like hardship, like suffering, so that we can all feel a connection with one another. And just thinking about like how many, like I even have friends that from the outside, it's like you can't, just to make it central to me, I think people look at my life often from outside. And this is not to toot my own horn, but just of like, maybe this is a role of social media or like aesthetics or whatever. But I think people constantly come up to me and are like, man, you are just killing it. Like, it looks like you are doing so well, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, wow, like, what am I putting out there to create this reading? And I think I am. And also, like, it's a struggle every day. Like, I, you know, like, in in some ways, Mm -hmm. there is suffering present. And so just to say also, like, I have friends, to go back to this point, I have friends that have businesses that I think the same thing of. But then you find out there are different income, there's different revenue streams that maybe their business isn't even profitable, but their life is sustained by a trust or something like that. You know, like, we just don't ever know what these things look like for people. And I really would love, I'm, I'm very set on being, trying to be in relationship with people that this is a more open dialogue and that money is a more open dialogue because a lot of us didn't get the education that we need in what is possible in order to access it. Right. So part of that cliche is that like you will only ever grow up and also your business, (laughs) this is a whole different one that I didn't write down, but your business is all of it. Your business is the thing that makes everything possible for you and sustains you. Yes. Yes. It brings you happiness. It brings you joy. It answers all of your needs and your satisfaction. It pays all of your bills and all of your dreams as far as travel and da 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 da. And this is something that I actually love that Samantha Siffering, my coach, has been one of my coaches has been talking about in recent years is to not put that pressure on your business. Maybe it is like you make the money in your business to invest in other things that then make your... Because everybody was so set on passive income for a while, right? Oh, oh my I just God. Want passive income. Oh, I just want passive income. It's I like, wrote okay, a whole paragraph there's no about such that thing. in the notes. Yes. yes. Honestly, the most passive income you can have is owning a property. Like having an investment property, right? Like that is like... And it's still not passive. So... I love that she has talked about this before and y'all can go check out her podcast and everything. But yeah. And then the other thought too, which I know I'm getting super verbose here, but the other thought here too was there's also this thought in this concept in Buddhism of like, it's around attachment to things. 
And I think within that, when we're told that our business is going to answer everything for us and be our absolute joy and hope, and I think like this comes in in different places in our lives, right? Like as a parent, I can be told everything is fulfilled by my child. That's way too much pressure for my child. Mm. Everything's going to be fulfilled for my, for my business by my business. That's way too much pressure on my business as a Christian. By your marriage, right? Yeah. Exactly. Having grown up in Christian culture, I was going to be whole and complete when I got married, and I was going to be mm-hmm. a completely fulfilled human once I found my, of course, man. Right. No, this is not how life works. And in this concept from Buddhism, it's that like I heard a teacher, it's on the podcast is The Way Out is In and it's produced by the Plum Village. The app is incredible. The podcast is really great and has a lot of information there. So on one episode I was listening to recently, one of the teachers was talking about this concept and the example that he used was that he got this new coffee cup that he absolutely loved. And so the concept is, is looking at something as if it's already broken. So I got this new coffee cup that I'm absolutely obsessed Mm. with. He was using it as an example in a workshop that he was teaching. I love this cup and I'm trying to learn to look at it as if it is already broken so that I'm not so attached to this object when it is is gone or whatever, right? And so I think I've been toying with that idea with my business as far as even just allowing myself the possibility to imagine a day that my business is not working for me and I need to step yes. away. Allowing yes. that to be a possibility, entering into that pain and that sorrow of what it could look like is mm-hmm. then allowing me to be more present in the fact that I have it today and that I can be in it today. I can do what I do today because I know that I may not have it one day, if that makes sense. Mm. I can enjoy the yeah. mug even more because I already know that it, will, it is gone. Like it will be gone. So that's this is how I think I'm about day to day life. Yeah. And we talk about this too. Like when we text and you're like, how are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm just having another existential crisis because I have like three a week. Right. And Every day. I value my life because I know that one day I'm going to die. Like I think about death all the time, like not in a morbid way. Same. Like not, it's just, that's, reality like that's it is part of life like i don't know how you can think about life without thinking about death like one day we're not going to be here yes that's i've never not been able to think about it yes and (laughs) And it's not like that influences my business yes oh what do i want you know what do i I am mortal what do i want to do with this time what you know is it business is it something else is it art you know what is it that i want to do with this time that i'm here yes i totally get that oh my god it's so good trying to get away from the stressful place of like i really hate the quote that everybody uses for themselves of like what do you do with that your one imperfect precious life i don't like that quote i sorry i'm sure we've talked about it in this space before because i'm just like so anti with my experience as a spiritual director it limits people more than anything And it gives them stress so that then they think like, oh my God, they spin out. There's too much pressure. Whereas like when I started looking at like, I don't know, maybe, you know, this is so antithetical to the beliefs that I was given. But when I started looking at like, oh my gosh, maybe reincarnation is a thing. Maybe there are multiple lives or maybe this is all a sim. Who knows? That created so much more possibility for me to move about this cabin, you know, like then thinking like, what do I want to do with this one chance that I get? Like... You know, that's mm-hmm. so intense. Yeah. And then that yes. puts you into fight, flight, freeze, fawn response because it's too intense for our brains. Yeah, it's too much. I think, I mean, oh. I think traditionally like humans have thought about that. Like the species of humans, like humanity have thought about 
one day I will not be here. Like, I feel like it's only been, and I don't know when it started because I'm not like a human history major or anything by any means, but it's like at some point we all got like really precious with ourselves and like with our existence in general and just like, I don't know. I think about the cave paintings and I'm like, I think they painted those because they're like, one day I'm not going to be here and I want there to be a mark that I was here. And it's like an acknowledgement that we are impermanent and that that is okay. And to like work that that's an integrated part of your life. It like informs how you live your life, but you're not like super precious about it. Like it's not like, cause like me, I don't have kids and like, I'm like one day, there's going to be a day when I'm forgotten, when I'm dead, mm-hmm. because I don't, you know, like I don't have kids. There's not going to be grandkids that think about me. There's not going to be. And it's like, okay, like there's mil- millions mm-hmm. of people that are dead that have lived in history. People have forgotten mm-hmm. about them too. Like you're not special. Kind mm-hmm. of. Yes. <laughs> it and sounds mean, but it's like, you're not special. <laughs> yes. And just to shout out a few things here too, like as far as the critical journey model, is a model of the spiritual journey by Hapberg and Gulick. If people want to look this up, Casey, I'll send you these names for show notes. I yes. promise. The critical journey model is a model of the spiritual journey. And it could be a helpful tool for folks. It's been a helpful tool for me in the past. I don't use it all the time now. But legacy and looking at your legacy is a part of spiritual journey. So it's part of it is. I think it's wired within us. And I don't know. Yes. I, a, a wonderful resource also, just I love shouting out resources. If you want an anthropological lens on human, like where we are now as humans and where we've been and all of that, Sapiens is an amazing book. I haven't gotten through it, but I am super, super nerdy. I really love looking at anthropology and the broader lens of how we've gotten here now as far as like where we've been. And like, I would be super interested. I'm obsessed with cave paintings. The cave paintings of Lascaux are incredible. I really want a tattoo of them. So I love that you brought it up. But yes, I love <laughs> thinking about how that, how connecting that is for us as humans. Like we're not necessarily experiencing anything that we haven't before mm-hmm. at the same time that a lot of the circumstances are different. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But like, okay, so... I want to kind of piggyback off of that. The business only grows. You can never go back on your revenue because one of the points that I wanted to talk about, because it's a little more implicit than explicit, but like there's a general belief, I think that's reinforced by certain industries (laughs) that there's this like moment of arrival in online business. I think this kind of relates to that where it's like, I've arrived, like I've made it as a business owner Sometimes we might use that upward trajectory of revenue to tell us like, oh, I've arrived. Like I can never go back on revenue. This means I'm a real online business owner. Like I've made it. I'm here. I'm legit. Now that my business can pay for all my needs and like sustain my whole life, like this is what success is. And it's very linear again. And I think people continue to push the perception that it's linear because they want to sell you a package that helps you recreate this formula of your linear success. And it's such a crock. Like it's an illusion. I've been, like I said earlier, like I've been in online business since 2018 and not one season has been the same. Not one year has been the same. It has not been replicable. Like I haven't faced the same challenges. I haven't faced the same market. I haven't faced the same circumstances. It's always changing. And it's a, it's a belief that I had for a long time. So I kind of hate to burst the bubble that like being your own boss means automatic stability 
because you're no longer at the whims of your corporate overlords, but it's not true. Mm-hmm. Like I've, as evidenced by my own business over the last several months, like you can do all the right things and still not create the result that mm-hmm. you want. Yep. And I just kind of wish more people would be honest about that, like about the ebbs and flows of business and just like human desire and how that factors into your online business. Because maybe we don't want to offer the same exact service forever. Maybe we don't want to do it the same way forever. And then that requires a pivot. And that requires finding and building a new audience and like rethinking everything. And none of that is easy. There's no I've made it point in online business. Like that's such a cliche that I mean, of course, the people pushing it are like posting stuff on social media from the tropics and like, look, this mm-hmm. is where my online business got me. And it's like, did it though? I'm Join sure. my $40,000 mastermind and then you'll be able to be on a yacht too. Yeah. It's super you'll have You'll have manipulative. made it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really nasty. Yeah. I think there's just so many questions there too, as far as like we're sold this like, oh, your business can be stable and stabilize your whole life. And also stability is being on a yacht in the tropics. Like, and it's like, well, yeah. no, like we actually have to define what is stable for us in our lives and in our business. Like for me right now, I would say I'm accessing a lot of stability in myself, in my mm. spiritual journey, in my relationship with my partner. And my business is not what is financially stabilizing us right now. My partner's business is financially stabilizing us right now because of choices that I made in August for my business and Mm. factors that happened. Some choices that other people have made in their business also. So it's, I mean, and that's just a really real cut, you know, like we never, you know, back to like, we never know what it looks like for people, but yeah, I absolutely think that that is huge. And I think that we I think that we already kind of addressed this, but that feels also so related to the like we can just wrap this one, but your thoughts create your reality. Like yeah. <laughs> I think I'm like we probably hit that one enough, but like I just called BS on that one. Like but don't hear me wrong because I'm also interested in manifestation. I do think that our our minds are extremely powerful. I'm in Reiki training. I believe in energy. I believe that we have the power to influence and harness energy. I believe that we have the power and to call on source and to guide energy, all of that. And also, I do not think our thoughts create our reality. I also like to think about here, and my, my husband hates when I use this word because he is an actual psychotherapist. But am I being delusional? Like when am I... Like I can look at seasons of my business mm-hmm. where like because of what I could access and because of some limiting things as far as the work that I had done in my inner world, I was actually being delusional with what I thought was possible for myself then. Yes. Yeah. Right? So like my thoughts were not creating my reality. No. I was just gaslighting the shit out of myself. Like, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yes. So and like, then beating yourself up for not reaching this unattainable, like, quote unquote, delusional goal, because you're yes. like, anything is possible if my thoughts create my reality. Like, yes. that gives one person so much control that doesn't exist. Like, right. the perceived control that you think that you have, like, you're this little mini god running around, like, my thoughts create the universe. And it's like, no one has that much. That's manipulative, first of all, because then you're controlling other people's behavior too. And I don't know. There's just, again, so much context missing from like 
like I can probably understand where that that cliche first started your thoughts create reality because like you said our minds are very powerful I do very much believe in energy and like the fact that we can have influence over it do I think that means that like we can and should manipulate ourselves or other people to create the results that we think we want no that's very different and then also like the delusional piece where you're just like that was never a thing that was going to happen and right you are now punishing yourself because you couldn't make that thing happen and it's like but that was never going to happen it was never going was to happen yeah no and something i found about myself too is like i think this is very related and i'm just going to shout it here just in case other people do this too But something that I was doing in some of those more delusional times was that I had not done some of the inner work around like why I want certain things or what I actually want versus what I'm wanting out of what I've either, you know, like not even what I've been told to want, but what I have internalized from really early childhood that would make me a valid human. You know, Mm. like those kinds of Mm -hmm. things. So I would also create these massive plans and I would create all the steps to get there and all of the like, which were not necessarily because of what I could access as far as scheduling or energy or time. Like these were kind of delusional plans, but I would make these massive plans to get to these delusional goals. And then I would get this massive, I think it's serotonin. I would get this massive release from making this massive plan and I would feel so good. And then I couldn't actually do the thing. So then I would like downward spiral, right? And then I would make a massive plan again, like based off of some crazy goal. And then it was like, I was stuck in this cycle of like, oh, my thoughts create my reality. I can make however much I want. I can, you know, and then it was... I just need to think the right thing. I'm not thinking the right thing. Yes. When in reality, I think the right thing and I can make it happen. Yes. When in reality, I wasn't questioning some of the things or I hadn't gotten safe enough in my nervous system to be able to actually pursue the steps and the actions to get me there and to do the work to get some of those releases from doing the steps and the actions versus just making the plan, if that makes Mm -hmm. any sense. But Mm -hmm. we have to be aware of ourselves and we have to be doing the inner work that's... (sighs) Yeah. And now... I don't want to go down this thread, but I'm just thinking like how many people, predatory like online business people know how brain chemistry works and they're getting people to do these like, I'm paying you to give me a delusional plan so that I then feel really, really good from serotonin. And now I've already paid you and now everything's going to fall apart. And then that's going to be my fault yeah, because you're the expert that I paid. It can't be your fault. Yep. And everything was going so great. I felt so good. Mm-hmm. It's like how many people I wonder know about that and like use your brain chemistry against you in their business practices. Like that's probably a whole other As thing a whole that other we can- episode <laughs> that we should for sure do. Because I'm like, yeah. I mean, like you never. You're always going to be the scapegoat. You're never going to like. I mean, some people do shit on a coach, but like you know. And also, like I've been wondering a lot lately as far as like sometimes you really need somebody else to be able to access some of these things. And also sometimes you just need to get really, really uncomfortable and sit mm-hmm. down and do it yourself, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause not everyone right. has access. And even if you did have right. it at one time, you might not have it now. And it's right. like, well, okay, I got to do the best I can with what I've got. Like that's all yeah. you can do. 
maybe that's another cliche. It's just like that, like always having a coach is going to help you or like, I don't Mm -hmm. know, something like that. Right. That like a coach launches you forward, which is like, it is true. Like, I mean, I offer some coaching. Like, I really do think that it's important. and I really do think that it's valid. I'm not going to just like shit on coaching. And also like, no, it's not for everybody all the time. Like, yes. Agree. Anyway. Agree. <sighs> yes. Well, the one last thing I wanted to touch on is you need to say yes to every opportunity. I can't even that... let you almost get this one out of your mouth. I'm so excited <sighs> about this one. This one is so big. <laughs> It's so real. Like this one is steeped in hustle culture because there's no time for rest. Every spare moment has to be optimized. Like you need to be listening to business podcasts while you cook or wash dishes or fold laundry or walk, or you need to be reading business books so you can tell people that you read the business book. All that, like I'll sleep when I'm dead stuff. (laughs) I came across a reel the other day because I thought this whole I sleep when I'm dead was like, I thought we were done with this as a society. Like I thought that we we don't need it. Yeah. I thought we were moving towards like being more gentle and incorporating rest as part of like our routine and all that and like prioritizing sleep. I came across a reel the other day where a woman said, if you have time to stream TV, you have time to work a side hustle. Oh my God. And I was like, but who the fuck wants to? Like, why do I need oh, to have my free no. time stolen by more work? Like, if I want to God, watch TV, so why would 2018 I? to me. Like, <laughs> I know. And it was like from 2024. I was like, did that just happen? No. Are you serious? I thought we left that behind. It was crazy. And it's like, but you need to say yes to every opportunity is like, the FOMO was already so real in online business because you can already kind of see what a lot of other online business owners are up to because of social media, like because of LinkedIn, because of Instagram, they're like, Oh my gosh, they're having this great conference or Oh my gosh, they're on this awesome retreat. Or Oh my gosh, they shared their their revenue that they just made last month. Like I've been seeing a lot of that sharing their actual well, depending on who it's from, that might not be their actual revenue, but people are sharing what their income like, to me, that's private information. And that's fine if you want to share it. But like, I'm never going to share that about my business. And just like, I think it kind of contributes to this whole like you have to say yes to every opportunity because you have to be always either like growing or stabilizing or making plans for growth and stabilization in your business. Like it's there's never a time to turn it off and you have to say yes to everything. No, that's how I burn out. That's literally my biggest month ever in my business. I was saying it, it was. I was very much a like, just say yes to everything and see what happens. Like, let's just see, which I met my goal. My goal was to see how much I could do, which I needed because I didn't think I was capable of a lot and I didn't have a lot of self trust. Mm. So I did need a big month. So, like, there are some really beautiful things to what I did and that I trusted myself to say yes. And also, like I said, I'm still having to sort out some things from that month and like what I learned and everything too. And like, I burnt myself the heck out and I am learning, I think a really, really hard lesson for me that I began in maybe my master's program, maybe in undergrad was the power of no. And Mm. I'm continually learning that in my business. Like even in this season, you and I have personally talked about some things that I have said yes to that were big no's. They didn't make sense. And also there's beauty in it. My yeah. yes had some beauty and some intention and that's really wonderful. And and now I know that it was a no. It probably needed to be a no. It probably needs to be a no moving forward. But just the power of no. And this is even within how I choose to spend my energy 
outside of my business too. Like, do I need to say yes or no to that family event? Just because Mm -hmm. like, do I have capacity to go into my Monday strong? You know, like all of those things. And I do think it's so much from hustle culture. It is so not okay for somebody to tell like the, like if you're street, if you have time to stream, you have time to side up. Like, no, like, no, no. And I hate that people are putting that on the, out on the internet because somebody could be struggling with depression and like, Right. If you need to stream. Just completely like, contextless. Yeah. Just completely. Or if you're like, like doing a lot of healing work and you're like in really intensive therapy. And so then you need to binge some TV to freaking be a human. Yeah. And be able to complete things, daily tasks, like do your laundry and like shower. Then, oh Put my God, on. like do <laughs> not beat yourself up with this super weird cliche and super weird culture. Cause like, it's just, it's, it's wrong. It's just wrong. Yeah. Yes to every you opportunity is like, no. Like, yeah. Put that to bed. Just put that to bed. That like makes me flash back to, to like, I was telling my in-laws just about the performance culture that I grew up in and how I was burnt out my junior year of high school. I was already burnt out. I was working too many jobs. I was doing too many extracurricular activities, way too many AP classes, you know, like just way too much. And I was saying yes to everything because like I wanted it to look so good on my college application to the point Mm -hmm. that I couldn't even like, I basically only did the applications that I had to sign. Like all I had to do was sign my name. I think I wrote one essay for a college application because I literally didn't have the energy. I was so burned out. And my, I was wow. experiencing, we didn't know at the time, like adrenal stuff, like because of like oh. the burnout, all of it, you know? So yes to every opportunity is a recipe for burnout. And it is such a lie of this culture. It really is. And I think that some of us think we're good at saying no. And it's like, but are we really though? It's, I was listening to a podcast for a client yesterday so I could write the blog for her website. And she was talking about like how she just realized this year and she's a very successful coach. Like she coaches successful type A women. She just realized this year that her pattern is to like work, work, work until she drops and then take a vacation. Like that's how she's been informed by rest. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's I mean, like even that's through just... master's program. Yeah. It was like, and especially being in semesters, it was like you grind yourself down to get through the semester. And then I would get sick every single time. Like the week of finals uh-huh. or right after, I would get sick. And then my entire break, I would be like on a couch watching TV. Yeah. Right. Cause like my body yep. was like, okay, we cannot, I'm done. Like I'm, there's space to let it all out. Like, okay, I'm done. Yes. Oh my gosh. So I just found out about the work of she's a coach for highly sensitive people and people that like want to be more in touch with their body and their intuition and things like that, like your body's cues of like illness informing like that something is wrong in your like physical life and like maybe in your spiritual life. Her name is Celia Kane and I'll link her website, but I just ran across her yesterday and the stuff she talks about about the signals that our body gives us when things are not right was so fascinating because she talks about how your body is actually like a lagging indicator. So like the damage is already happening and then your body will react as like a little whisper of like, Hey, something's not right. Like I'm not feeling great. You're going to have a cold now. Like, so maybe you'll slow down, but it's like, you've already kind of run yourself down to the point where you get a cold. And then she was talking about like, her, her freshman year of college, she got like a cold and then she got mono 
And then she got like something crazy. I can't remember something crazy happened, some virus, maybe it was mono and laid her out for like two weeks. And it was like, that was when she finally listened. But there's just like, I'm so interested in like the body brain connection and like how your body will give you actual cues like that, where it's like you talked about undiagnosed adrenal stuff where it's like, okay, well, let's get curious about that. Like, why is that happening? Is that because I have like 50,000 things on my plate because (laughs) I'm saying yes to everything instead of like, I think I want to say no, but I'm not actually doing it. And I think sometimes we get confused about like, where that like, we think we're good at saying no. And it's like, okay, well, when was the last time that you actually did like for real said no to something? And it's like, well, I don't even know. (laughs) Right. Right. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people are talking about this within the psychology lens as far as like trauma informing disease and that mind body connection. And also I know people talk all the time about Vander Kolk's The Body Keeps the Score. And I've seen so many memes on that too, as far as like, when will my body stop keeping the score? I know. And it's like, (laughs) never, you know, but I do love that because so many of us also then like once we even start waking to this idea as far as like, oh, all of these things are stored in my body. And there's very real pieces to this too, right? I'm stressed. So then I eat, I don't, I eat poorly. The food that I'm eating contains more toxins for my body, right? So there's like a very real and very practical side of this too. But then there's also the emotional, oh my God. And then talk about the epigenetic lens. Also, there's a whole nother mm-hmm. thing there. But I do like that people are waking to this idea of that your body is like, it's not the canary in the mine shaft. It's actually like the humans, you know, like it's actually like it, it's later. Like people start, I, I just know so many people, especially in, this like Colorado hustle, physical fitness culture that once you start getting like the sniffle and stuff, then they're like, Oh, what's going on? And it's like, no, it's actually like your body was probably run down way before that sniffle started. Yeah. And if you're to the point of like, there's disease, disease, like in your body, that's probably years and years and years, but then also to be really careful around some of this, because then it's also creates this illusion of control that we need to manage like exactly. we need to manage our schedule in a way mm-hmm. that we never so that get I never sick. get sick. Right. Yeah. You and I have talked so much about this. So that's a whole nother thing. But oh, anyway, so yes, that's such a good but one. Yeah. Let me yeah. I think I only had one more and I think I can be really brief on this one, but just that something that I have had to really navigate for myself is, and I think that this may just be something I made up, but maybe somebody will resonate with it, is that the tech startup archetype is the only archetype. So like, I don't know if I just watched too much Silicon Valley or like, you know, those kinds of shows or like, I'm just really interested in, or maybe I just was enamored by and romanticized the idea of like, getting big investors and then getting the office space and getting the employees and like getting all the fancy furniture. Like I think it's, that's very romanticized in our culture on TV and in movies. But like I had created that that is what starting a business looks like. So you have the incredible, you have the website right away that looks like it costs 10 grand. You know, you have the office chair and the desk and the like, and maybe this just shows how superficial I am or just aesthetic, but like you have all of the things that a multi-million dollar investment would bring to a business and like the marketing plan for it too. So I use this against myself a lot as far as like, oh, starting a business looks like a tech startup. Versus like, oh, starting a business could look like opening the family bagel shop 
in a really small town. You know, like just what does what does having a small business look like to you versus like these archetypes of what we're given? Hmm. I can see like I I feel like that's that lives somewhere in me too that idea of like business needs to look a certain way like it needs to look legit and then your brain just fills in like what okay what's legit to you like <laughs> it just fills in the gaps and like it's like oh it's this startup type place where like everything is new and shiny and like we already have the clients that are just lined up and like <laughs> we can afford to drop $10,000 on a professional website all this stuff and like Really, I know people in online business who have done years worth of really good work without even a website, which sounds against the rules. It's against online business rules to not have an online presence, but they have made plenty of money over the years. And it's like, there's no one way to do it. There's really not. I'm literally meeting with somebody for bookkeeping today that I'm like, their website is a Facebook page. And I'm like, awesome. Like at some point in my life, I would have looked at that and been like, I don't know, are they even a real business? And I'm like, oh Mm -hmm. my God, like there's just all these weird concepts around what it looks like. So shout out our professionalism episode. We talk a lot more about all of that as far as what what we need to look like and do and be in order to be like a valid professional or valid business. So good. Yes. I love it. Oh my gosh. This episode was so fun. I feel like we got to dive into a lot of like dumb tropey cliches and just (laughs) I love it Casey if people want to work with you how can they find you you can find me at caseyhayes.com k-a-c-e-y-h-a-y-e-s.com for podcast guesting strategy and for repurposing content from your existing podcast where can people connect with you and work with you Karen Thank you. Yeah. And I want to say today, it's funny because usually the only thing I talk about in this space as far as reaching out to talk with me is for podcast editing, which is a massive part of what I do. But I also want to name in this space so much of how I show up to this space and and people get it from what I dialogue on as far as my background as a spiritual director. I'm an extremely spiritual person. I have eight years of experience of running a spiritual direction business. And so I, if you're on my email list or if you get on my email list, I kind of present more as just like your creative guide. So I'm kind of your artist Mm. auntie. So if you want to be in my sphere... Y'all, her emails are so good. You need to get on her list. They're so good. I love them. If you really like these deep dialogues of how the inner pieces of us impact how we show up in business or what we're creating in the world, whether that's as a podcaster, as an artist, as a writer, as any of those things, I need you on my email list because we're having really deep conversations over there about impermanence, how we look at our businesses Mm -hmm. because of impermanence or not, or what these creations do for us and and for our families and for this world when we put them out into the world. So I would just love for you to hop on my email list. You can do that through the website at karenhibner.com, C-A-R-I-N-H-U-E-B-N-E-R. And of course, if you're looking for an editor, I would love to be that. So get in touch. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Bye.